No Jumper, coolest podcast in the world. And today I am in here with the one and only Franzilla of Attila. How you doing, G? Excellent. How are you? I'm doing great. It's nice to have you in here, man. Like our uh, track record for metal and hardcore interviews, kind of weak. It's been a few years. So, I, I mean, do you have any hardcore metal guys? White Trash Rob of Blood for Blood. Okay. Filmed while I was visiting my parents for Christmas and uh, went to his like little attic area where he records his podcast. I'm not sure if he's still doing it. His Nodcast, actually. And then we did my friend Brendan and them who are in uh, Long Island, hardcore band incendiary a couple years ago. So. Oh, word. It's been a while. Yeah, well, I'm happy to break the cherry, I guess, or reopen a wound. <laughs> reopen the wound, <laughs> definitely. So we were just talking about it, but uh, what has your life been like for the last like six months? Because you are used to living a lifestyle of nonstop touring, but now you're posted up at Dude, home, I'm guessing. It's it's wild, man. Like Since I was 16 years old, we've been touring nonstop like at least six to eight months out of the year, Right. and I've never had a break this long before, but... <laughs> It's not that bad, honestly. Like, I'm excited to be home. I live in Florida. The weather's perfect. Right. I've got a pool in my backyard and a basketball court in my backyard. So I feel like that's the only two things you need. Sports and (laughs) swimming. We shoot hoops. We jump in the pool. And I get to see my kids a lot more, which is the best part of all. Is it a situation for you normally where, like, you just kind of have tours thrown at you and you feel like you can't say no or do you have people who are booking these tours aggressively to keep you on the road all the time well it's you're always going to have like the type of booking agents that want to keep you out all the time because that's how they make their coin right but um we have like blackout dates like i'm like these are my both of my son's birthdays Mm. and i will not tour during their birthday because i have to be there right but part of just being a full-time touring musician like i'm gonna miss some holidays and there's nothing I can do about it. Right. I hear that. When- but I realized this was the cool thing I realized about this year. This is going to be the first year of my life that I don't miss a single birthday or a single holiday. Right. Right. Because normally you just kind of miss stuff because stuff ends up getting booked anyway. Even yeah. You, you can't, you can't turn it down. If you get a big opportunity, right. it's a lot of money. I can't say no. Definitely. is Okay. So people talk a lot about like, you know, independent artists and how everybody doesn't make any money off Spotify and shit like that. Is Is touring like... 80% of your income? Is it 50%? Like, music-wise, because we'll, we'll get into the OnlyFans biz at some point, <laughs> too, but music-wise for, like, Attila, is that, is touring kind of the whole thing? Yeah, and, I mean, I would say that goes the same for every single band and, like, hardcore and metal. Touring is where you're going to make, like, 80 or 90% of your income from, and then the other small percent is basically online merch sales because... Uh, Spotify and Apple Music don't pay shit. And, mm. you know, there's not many, like, hardcore metal artists getting billions of views right. or any. So <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. So, yeah, we uh, take me back in time. Because, like, I remember when I first saw you guys' fucking videos and just having my mind kind of blown because you guys were just, like, delving into, you know, lyrical styles and, like, music video styles, to put it lightly, that were, like, just not common in metal and hardcore at that time. Um what led you to creating Attila? And what were you in bands before that? No. Well, like, no, not really. Right. Attila is like my baby. I started Attila when I was 14 years old. Wow. And now I'm 30. So 16 years, same band. I'm the founding member. Uh-huh. Um, it, the start of Attila is interesting because literally um, I grew up in Atlanta and uh, hip hop rap influence was massive for me. Every right. radio station, all you hear is hip hop. I loved it. I embraced it. But I liked the 
chaotic energy of heavy metal and stuff. And some of my cousins got me into like hard music and I started going to hardcore shows up in New Jersey and stuff. So I kind of, when I started Attila, the idea was that I like the, I like the energy and the vibe of rap, but I like how hard metal hits. Right. And what's interesting for us is at the time, um, in Atlanta, this is around 2004 when we started, I shit you not, like, I don't know why, but every single metal hardcore band was like a Christian band. Mm, and I don't know. That time that, period. I was not yeah. really uh, paying that much attention around that time, but I remember hearing a lot about like the new wave of Christian metalcore. So my, my whole thing from day one was just be true, be real, be yourself. None of us are fucking religious. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we're not going to try to fit into this like Christian metal trend. We like to party. We like to get fucked up. We like to fuck girls. We like rap. So mm. we're just going to make our own version of metal. And it basically created this environment where we had shitloads of haters, but shitloads of supporters that related to us because no one else was doing what we did. Mm. So, you know, we kind of went off a totally different path than everyone else, but it eventually played into our favor. Right. So what bands like sonically were you listening to at the time that influenced where you were at musically, not necessarily content wise? When we started Pantera. Okay. Yeah. So you were like more of a like Southern metal kind of right. like fuck everything rebellious. Right. And it's, it's interesting because like when I watch your stuff now, it seems uh, the old videos, it seems kind of more like hard to remember why it would have been so controversial because it feels like, you know, the world has just changed a lot and like having girls shaking their ass in your video probably shouldn't be that big a deal. But at that time, you know, like, you know, rap and, and like hardcore slash metal have just like very different sort of cultural standards. And yep. it was very like, it just stood out so much that I had never seen a hardcore group objectify women for the sake of their video i'm sure those girls were happy to be there of course but, and paid right and paid but like you know and even just like talking about drinking or saying like you know you're a bitch or you're a cunt or whatever it was just like you know when i think about a lot of the metal i grew up listening to it was just sort of like you know lyrically it, you wouldn't really be able to sort of necessarily figure out what they were talking about on first listen. Like it was much more sort of just masked in like poetry and whatnot. And you guys were much more just like hip hop, just sort of like saying what you were up to. Yeah, exactly. And there's definitely a double standard with the genres because I don't fucking know why my biggest question to this day is why does like metal hardcore have to be such a like, sacred like everyone is preaching about being holier than thou and like preaching positivity or trying to like move this big message and I'm like I'm looking at all these fucking artists out here and I'm like you guys are fake as shit because when you step off that stage you're some of the worst people I've met really like we yeah just terrible people <laughs> singing about being so fucking holy and better than everyone and I'm just like we sing about partying fucking bitches like you know whatever and we're nice. Like, we're just keeping it real. Like, why Why did we get judged for being a hardcore metal band that sings about content like rappers would sing about when... Your actual lives. As opposed to... Our like, actual lives. The weird thing in hardcore, and, like, it, it hit me, like, very early on, was that I had, like, a couple generations of bands I was into, and then they would sort of, sort of start to wither away, and then you have a new crop of bands, and I'm like, oh, so, like, this is what 
life as a hardcore fan is going to be like is that there's just going to be a new crop of like 17 year old kids who want to tell you about how someone stabbed them in the back and how dope it is that they're straight edge and vegan and shit and it's like i didn't have to be in the scene for very long before i started to realize like oh like this is kind of bullshit like every, like these people are like clearly going through a period in their life where they feel like it's like this is like their coping mechanism to like sort of go through this period in their life. But it just, it, it kind of like didn't hold my attention for that long. Not to say that every hardcore band is like that, but there yeah. is a lot of that. No, you're right. There yeah. is a lot of that. And that's where Attila comes in mm. for all the people that don't want to like bitch and whine about their problems or hear like some fake positivity from someone who really isn't a good person, you know, mm. like we're, we just keep it real. Like we're the music you can throw on at a party where the music you can, you know, whatever, get fucked up to have a good time. Like f basically like forget about your worries. I think a lot of music makes you like focus on your worries and maybe kind of low key makes you more depressed. Right. But we're people's outlet. Like you have no idea how much I get hit up. Someone saying like, bro, I just went through like the worst breakup ever, but your music saved, saved me because we're just don't give a fuck. Like fuck everyone. Right. Like do yourself. And I think people resonate with that, like for, I don't know, more so than sad stuff. I don't know. Yeah, it is kind of odd to think that like partying or like anything sort of positive or not that partying is inherently positive, but anything that's sort of like attempted to like be more lighthearted and fun. Like, I, you know, from from my childhood, I remember like we were throwdown fans. And yep. Dude, Throwdown was so controversial within that sort of straight edge scene because they just clearly were a lot more lighthearted with it. And what was the Baby Got Back cover that they did? Yep. That was like a huge moment in terms of like a lot of the straight edge bands we're listening to because it was so unnerving for us to see a band being like a hardcore straight edge band being, you know, funny and, and doing this goofy ass cover that eventually got so fucking big that it just was kind of annoying. But that, that kind of became <laughs> at a certain point. That, that, that was, was like huge. everybody's throwdown song that they downloaded off Napster. Yep. Yeah. I remember that period. It was there was a lot of judgment and it was kind of hard to be Attila during that period because we were the only band kind of straying from the path, but mm. you know, the biggest example I can give you is our biggest album about that life. When we released it, we were doing our first warp tour. It was 2014, I believe. And um when we released that album, that album had so much rap influence. It had so much like just edgy, offensive material. When we when we dropped it, I swear I felt like the whole world hated it. I felt like I failed, kinda, you know? All the reviews, all the press, all the magazines, everyone wrote the worst shit about us. And then I swear like three months went by and it became our biggest album ever. And everybody loved it so it was kind of like did all this negative press turn around and and bring an audience to us that actually likes it now mm. like the negativity helped us almost and i i remember that year on warp tour it was our first warp so we were only supposed to do half of warped and then um about a week before we were supposed to ditch and go home kevin lyman comes up to me and is like yo can you guys do the whole warp tour because you're killing it right now. Like really? we want you to just stay on, please. Mm -hmm. And we were just like, no, nah. like we got plans. <laughs> Sorry. Like right. you should have 
let us do the whole thing to begin with. <laughs> but is that how they book Warp Tour or how they used to book Warp Tour is that they would only have you on for a percentage of the whole thing at first? Not always. It was just a thing with like newer bands. Like if it was your first time on Warped, they'd give you like half or select mm-hmm. dates. And then um, the only other rule with Warped was that you can't play main stage two years in a row. Really? So if you play main stage, you got to take off a year. Wow. But you can play two years in a row if you upgrade stages like Monster to Main. Do you think I missed out on something big in my life by never having gone on Warp Tour? I feel like. Bro, <laughs> you never went to Warp Tour? I, I went when I was 14 and watched from the crowd, but I never like went on Warp Tour. Oh, okay. I'm I feel like saying, being I'm in just, a band on tour you would never just. never went to Warp I, I, I did go one time, and I, I don't know that I remember it that fun because it was just so unbelievably hot. And I, I was still very much at the age where I was just standing around watching the mosh pits with just my jaw dropped. Like, what the fuck is wrong with these people? And I saw Eminem perform too, and they threw shit at him until he got off stage. Yeah, how fucking crazy is that? That sounds kind of. And Black Eyed Peas too. Damn. They played too. I mean. <sighs> You didn't miss out on much because it is like the most grueling tour to be on like when you're touring on it like it's so hot that the buses break down every day you're sweaty as shit you have to go shit in a porter potty every day Uh like it's not a comfortable tour it's not glamorous but it's an opportunity for bands to play in front of a huge audience that they wouldn't normally have and um i don't know it's just a whole community of people and that's why I was really like disappointed when Warp Tour went away, right. and that's why I wanted to be the person that brings Warp Tour back. Really? So that's still a conversation or a possibility? So this is probably the biggest question I ever get asked is like, yo, Franz, when's Warp Tour coming back? But the reality of it is I can't disclose too much information, but for legal reasons, Warp Tour cannot come back for another three years or so. And me and the founder, Kevin Lyman, are actually good friends. Uh Um, A lot of people don't know that, but the reason is, is for the four years we did Warp Tour, I was um, hustling my clothing company, Stay Sick on Warped as well. Mm -hmm. So I was awake bright and early every morning. And no band dudes wake up in the morning. Mm -hmm. All band dudes wake up sometime in the afternoon. But I was the first person in a band to be awake every single morning, and Kevin saw that and respected me for wanting to work hard and push my brand and grow myself. So we became friends, and he likes to drink beer too, so we ended up drinking beer all the time and just having conversations. And I'll never forget, it was um, probably like Warp Tour 2017 maybe, or 2018. Um, he pulled me aside in San Diego and was like, Franz, like, do you want to buy Warp Tour? Like, do you want to take over? Like, I'm done. Hmm. And he threw out a number. Um, the number was a little beyond what I had at the moment, but right. uh, just the thought of that really, like, it never left me because I wanted to do it. And um, I retouched conversation with him shortly after just to be like, hey, um, I'm serious. Like, I want to do this because Warp Tour was important for me growing up, and I know it's important for our current generation and future generations. And I'm very much a businessman, so I want to be the one that takes on Warp Tour. And we had a conversation probably, I don't know, three months ago, I would say. 
uh, three or four months ago, and he explained to me that for um, legal reasons, which I can't go into depth, Warped Tour can't come back for at least another three years or so. Uh-huh. But um, after that, I'm happy to reopen conversation, and hopefully I'm the one that brings it back because I have a really good plan for how to make it sustainable and make Warped Tour even bigger than it's ever been. Definitely. Do you think that that's been a huge blow to the sort of guitar-based music world in general? Because that was always kind of like the main stage, especially for bands who aren't necessarily big enough to do their own massive tours and stuff it just Mm -hmm. like probably helped incubate a shitload of bands over the years it did it really did and i can speak on behalf of myself and attila it helped us out a lot and i would hate for bands to miss out on that opportunity Mm. so yeah i think it was a crucial tour and now that it's gone it's kind of like what the hell do we do every summer i mean obviously now it's covid so we're not doing anything at all but before this pandemic started warp tour was the tour of summer and any bands or any other festivals that tried to compete with warped failed right or at least suffered a loss because warped was always the biggest right i just think that like from my experience on warp tour and my knowledge that i could could have carried the torch and made it better mm. essentially definitely is part of the reason why they're scared to come back i feel like i read this a while ago is that basically there could potentially be a lot of like pending lawsuits that they might have had to deal with or that like, you know, because basically like the standard of what was considered acceptable all through the 90s and 2000s on tour and stuff, that there's probably a lot of stuff that happened <laughs> with band dudes and whatnot. Like yeah. that, that's kind of what I heard was just that there's a lot of liability that might have come around to screw Warp Tour over. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. No, you're absolutely right. The lawsuits were a big thing. But on top of that, I think uh, Kevin Lyman is just an older gentleman. He's been around for a while. I think social media kind of killed it because he started using Twitter a lot and stuff. And he would read everything and respond to everything. And a lot of people, of course, you know, social media, people just go on to talk shit to you. Mm. So people are on there talking shit to Kevin Lyman every day. So he's on his phone half the day stressing out about all these people complaining. Mm. But you put someone like me in control of the tour. Who is very, very numb to the (laughs) hatred, right? I'm numb. (laughs) I've gotten talked shit to every day of my fucking life. Every single day. So my focus would just be running the tour, making sure everyone is happy. And um, I wouldn't care if someone was like, hey, fuck you, Franz. Like, whatever. I'd be like, cool. Right. (laughs) When you look at what made it totally successful, though, do you... Because like when you talk about waking up early in the morning to sell merch and all this kind of stuff, it's like... Do you put it on like yourself just sort of having this vision of how to build this band up or do you do you sort of chalk up a lot of it to you just having this work ethic that maybe a lot of other people don't have? Literally, I just I'm unlike anyone else. I have a work ethic that no one in music really has, like no offense to everyone else. Oops. <laughs> but um no, I grew up as an entrepreneur mm. and I always knew how to like hustle and make way for myself. My parents told me from day one, like, 
we're not going to give you anything. Like if you want something like work hard, get it. And I appreciate that because it turned me into who I am. But yeah, I mean, most musicians are just very like strictly music art focused. And when it comes to business, like they could be getting screwed over for all they know and they would just have no clue. And there's like like a thing in rock music i feel like or at least in like hardcore and shit where to make a lot of money is like really kind of looked down upon and (laughs) you know people will like go out of their way to sort of like not share how much their band gets paid and stuff i remember back in like 2003 that a dude who like booked like a bane show told me that they got 2500 bucks for the night and i'm like sitting there mind blown like i'm like that it was so little they no there was so much i'm Uh like they must be so rich like i'm going through the numbers in my head i'm like that's fucking crazy like but that's hardcore and metal they're like you know people just kind of i don't know a lot of the kids a lot of the fans are too too young to really know about the financial side of having to make it work because like when i think about it now obviously 2500 bucks to drive between cities with five guys plus like everybody else that's involved with the tour etc it's really probably turning a relatively small profit after that um but yeah that's kind of part of it too like running a successful clothing company i remember like being on hardcore message boards and shit that it would seem like the guys who are running popular clothing lines immediately started to be treated like they were fucking robber barons who were just stealing (laughs) from the scene you know (laughs) no for real like the only like i tell this to everyone especially in like the hardcore metal scene if you want to sustain yourself and be able to make good Ooh. good income doing what you're doing you have to have multiple sources of income and it doesn't have to mean like hey follow my blueprint like start a clothing company start an OnlyFans it could mean anything like some people are good at making graphic designs that's something you can do while you're on the road pop your laptop open make graphic designs some Uh people can do video editing lyric videos like some people can be a producer on the side when they're home like literally just figure out a way to make extra sources of income beyond music because if you want to start a metal or hardcore band and you expect to make like a healthy handsome living off of it you're not Mm. like it's just not a thing and I never went into this genre expecting to make money. And I think that's what sets me apart from a lot of people nowadays that just view the idea of I'm going to be rich and famous. Like I'm going to be in a band or I'm going to be a musician or whatever. That's not a thing. Like I did it because I loved music. And for the first six years, Attila was a band. I didn't make a penny, but I didn't care. I was just traveling across the whole country and getting fucked up with my friends and getting tons of pussy. Mm -hmm. Like, (laughs) I can't complain. Like that was cool. I didn't want to make money. I just wanted to have fun. But I think like the turning point for me was when I was 21, I had my first kid and I was like, Oh shit. Like now I need to make money for someone else. And I'm not even really making money. And I think that's when my business brain tuned in and I said, Hey, like how can I create a sustainable future for my kid? I want him to be like in a good environment. So I started working a lot harder and partying slightly less maybe Uh and then but yeah i mean i suggest that to everyone i I try to help out all my friends too and give them ideas to of ways they can create extra income because yeah this our our music genre doesn't really make money (laughs) right do you feel like it's getting has it gotten smaller throughout your time being involved with it like uh, uh, like from your perspective is the scene growing or or dying To be honest, I think it's just like everything else. It goes through waves, you know? And I think right now, um, I think we might be at a low, low point. But 
I think that like when you look at the current world climate, like pandemic, like crazy political issues, all of this, this is usually about the time that like rock and roll and punk rock in general mm. starts coming right back up. So it's kind of just like, are you able to withstand the waves right. and continue on and succeed? Or are you going to be crushed by this below and the pandemic's going to ruin your band and you're not going to be able to go back to touring it's kind of crazy because now i feel like there's so little guitar based music on the radio that like for me as a kid you know i'm listening to all these like alternative and, and rock bands when i'm like 13 and then that leads me to being like okay well blink 182 is cool but i want to find out about all these other punk bands and i want to find you know metallica is cool i want to find out about all these harder metal bands so all of a sudden i'm learning about black metal and death metal and hardcore and grindcore yeah. it almost feels like on a mainstream level, there's not necessarily like a good entry point. Like I, I feel like the scene is kind of set for that in the sense that you could imagine like a rock band coming out and being like huge, massive stars. But it, it, it sometimes it feels like, and especially with you know rap has gotten ridiculously huge. Dance music was fucking huge for a while. It feels like sometimes like the the guitar based stuff like it just there's no entry point. You're right. It's tough, but I think. For me personally, the coolest thing that I've noticed, especially the past couple years, is the influence of rock and rap mm. and the influence of rap and rock. Okay. And and I think that like I like both genres. I like rap equally as much as I love metal and hardcore, but I think that's the coolest thing for me is seeing the genres kind of like blend a little more than mm. they used to because before it was a taboo thing it was like one or the other but now it's kind of like hey we can um you know exchange like styles like whether it's like clothes like styles within the music it kind of all is starting to blend which i like more because i was always a big fan of limp biscuit and right. new metal and stuff like that and like why shouldn't that be big yeah isn't that weird to think about because like limp biscuit were so dope to me when i was 13 <laughs> but then by the time i like really started to learn about punk and hardcore and stuff i all of a sudden couldn't rationalize being a proud corn and limp biscuit fan <laughs> and then i remember like years later when i started to realize like oh there's guys who are my age that are not ashamed of their Limp Bizkit fandom. Maybe, you know, because I, I feel like once you're a fan of something, you have no business ever acting like you're an elitist that can't be a fan of that thing. Even if it was your goofy-ass 13-year-old self that likes something, you still like that. Like, you, you can say, I don't yeah. really like it the same way I used to, but you need to pay respect to that era in your life of, of that part of your personality that appreciated that music at that moment. Because even if you are a couple years removed and you're like, oh, I don't know why I like that shit, by the time you're like 10 years removed, you're going to be able to look at that shit and be like, you know what? That was dope, you know? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, sometimes we all have to admit that we like Chumbawamba and Tub Thumper <laughs> at one point. Um, you know, yeah, su sucks to say, but yeah. whatever. That's true, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, but that that's fucking interesting, too, because I just feel like there were so many more shared cultural moments back then where, like, you know, everybody knows that fucking Chumbawamba song, whether you wanted to or not. And that's just a much harder thing to pull off these days because you can have a super popular, you know, punk, like, oi adjacent song like that that doesn't carry through to the mainstream at all. Although, I mean, I don't know, like, the, the internet is constantly trying to find new and interesting things. So maybe it would have been sort of elevated to a, a different level, I guess. 
Yeah. I don't know. Um, hey, are you excited to be a dad soon? I am excited to be a dad soon. How, how old are your kids? I'm interviewing you now. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, uh, I have two boys. They're nine and four. Okay, sick. How are they? They're Hellraisers? They're awesome. Well, one is the older one's a sweet boy. The younger one's a Hellraiser. Really? So I think the younger one is going to become me. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, having a girl, I'm kind of like just wondering to what extent I'm going to, you know, because I have so many things in my head that I'm going to do with my kids like, but they're all things that like my dad did with me, and yeah. so it's kind of interesting. I'm, I'm trying to like, you know, I, I actually said to my girl this morning, I'm like, "You think our kid is gonna like Barbies?" Because I just don't know if that's still like a thing with a lot of little girls. Dude, you never know. Like, there are girls that are into baseball and basketball, and there right. are boys that are into Barbies and want to wear pink. Like, it's, yeah. I think it, the best thing about being a parent is just being, like, open-minded and, and supportive of whatever your kid likes, and mm. I think that's where, like, our generation comes into play, and, like, setting a better standard for the future generation is instead of being like, yo, you can't play with the Barbie, you're a boy. You know, being like, hey, you want to play with the fucking Barbie? Like, go uh, off, bro. Your kids paint their nails, the boys? Um, they don't. But uh, my younger son that's like me, he used to love temporary tattoos. And every time I was like, where do you want to put it? Like thinking, you know, oh, my arm. The he face. Would, face, <laughs> face, neck, hands. So um, one time me and his mom uh, decked him out in uh, temporary tattoos. Like we gave him hand tats, neck tats, face tat, and we sent him off to preschool. Uh-huh. And probably freaked out on the other the, kids and the parents. You don't get in trouble at preschool for that? I feel like that... No, they, no, yeah. they why just, would you get in trouble? They just right? know yeah. us because we're we're the wild ones. Like we, you know, okay, we're we're wild. We roll up in the G wagons and drop the kids off, and fuck it, who cares? Like yeah. we're we're cool. We donate to the school. We're do you uh, do you feel like the the other parents look at you like you're a fucking weirdo? Because that's one thing I think about too. Is like I know I'm gonna start <laughs> to have parents like parent friends. Like yep. like my kid is friends with some kid, so then I'm friends with his parents but meanwhile like i live this fucking weird ass life and they're like the most stock people on earth and that i'm just sort of interested how that's gonna play out yeah be prepared to interact with a lot of normies Mm. way more than you ever have before i think that basically at first you get the weird look from the parent but like the glue is that when your kids are friends like when your daughter's friends with their daughter or whatnot now they're homies (laughs) <laughs> like a Anybody else bell? just hear a train horn or something? Or no, a, a bell? It sounded like the WWE bell or like UFC. <laughs> that was so weird. <laughs> what was that? I don't know. I think it might have. Was that from Yuri's fucking stream? It probably was. Wait, why can't we log out of his? What a dummy. Okay. Let's Continuing go fight on. Him. Yeah, we should definitely <laughs> fight Yuri later. Um, okay. No, I'm just saying like you'll like when I walk into the preschool and I'm fully tattooed head to toe and probably wearing some questionable clothes about satan or something right <laughs> i don't know um you'll get like weird looks at first but then you know once your kids are all playing at the playground and they're all doing their own thing and you're hanging out with the parents you actually become good friends and right you know they'll invite you to parties like i go to like normie parent parties all the time <laughs> with the kids where you right. that's that's a fun part about being a parent they're like because everyone's kind of the same deep down in they're like 
yeah, like I'm so stressed from like the kids and blah, blah, blah. Like, let's just meet up and eat a bunch of food and get drunk. Right. And you're like, cool. It must like, feel weird to be friends with somebody on the basis of something so real. Like, oh, you don't have anything to gain from me. Like, you're not yeah. like into the same music or like thing that I'm into. You exactly. just like the only thing we have in co- Like me, I'm not going to be able <laughs> to help you out with your job at a doctor's office. You know, it's like yeah. most like such a huge percentage of people I meet act weird to me because I am potentially beneficial to them and I'm not oblivious to it. Exactly. I think if anything, that's refreshing Yeah. because your parent friends are all going to be like doctors, dentists, whatever. So nothing to gain from you. If anything, they just think it's like rad that you do what you do and it's like a topic of conversation. But like you said, with nothing for them to gain, so they're not going to try to clout chase. They're in their own lane. So I think that's probably another really cool part about being a parent, honestly. Yeah, that is dope. Yeah, I wonder to what extent, because, I mean, you're in Florida. There's a lot of fucking weird-ass people in Florida. <laughs> I'm in, like, the hills of, of Hollywood. I wonder, like... So let me just you know, tell you first about Florida. There are a lot of weird people in Florida. That is fact. But there's also a lot of the most but ordinary people you ever met, I, too, right? I live in Richville. Right. Like, I live in a bubble. Like, there's mm-hmm. no weird rednecks, no one naked with alligators holding right, up the yeah. gas station. The Joe Exotics don't live in your yeah. area. Yeah. No, they can't afford it. Okay. Like there, those do exist. Trust me, I could drive one hour away and see some ratchet shit. Mm. But in my area, it's basically the hills. Like you right. know, same same shit. Yeah. Just Florida. I don't know anyone who lives in my area. Or like, I wonder if there's any rappers who live in my area. I did see uh, a Mac Miller video filmed like very near my house. And that kind of weirded me out. I'm like, oh, shit, there might be rappers who live around here because what apparently... Part, what Mac- part do you live in? No comment, but uh, <laughs> Mac Miller... You can't say someone's going to find you. <laughs> yeah, no. Can you say a, a general area? Just, you know, the valley. Okay. I guess. Cool. I don't really know anything else surrounding my house anyway, so I would do a horrible job explaining it. I don't know I either. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, but so, yeah, like... You know, bands usually have like a shelf life and like you guys have held on for an unusually long time period. Like what keeps you motivated to keep going with it? The biggest way I explain my band to anyone and the reason we've been around so long is like we're a drug dealer with a specific type of drug that everyone's addicted to. But we're the only drug dealer that carries that drug. Because there's no other bands like Attila. Like fun mosh bands? Yeah, like no one is going to sing about the shit I sing about and, and be like fun, party, heavy, mosh, rap, metal, all combined. Right. Because I've seen bands try it, and I'm supportive, like, if people want to try it, but <laughs> every band that tries it that's not Attila, they uh-huh. get made fun of. They get, like, roasted, and they can't handle the heat and push through that boundary to become big, and then they just break up. Right. So it's the reason we've been around so long is because essentially my band is a cult. Right. And we're the only band that can provide that fix for our fans. So, and we've cultivated a fan base worldwide. Like some of our biggest markets are Russia, Germany. Um, the biggest show we played that we headlined was in South Africa. Uh-huh. Like we're we're worldwide. Like U.S. is great for us, but it's not even our biggest market. U.S. is just like whatever. Wow. So. It's cool. Like, we've been around so long because we've cultivated this, like, family, essentially, of fans that they know that we love them and they love us and they support us and we've got their back. And I'm so fascinated by that because the way it typically works in rap music is that, like, you come out, you make a splash, and then your star 
continues to like fall from there. Like oh, it's yeah. very much like a huge spike and then it's like a slow trickle off over time. And the ones who can blow up and get bigger or blow up and stay that big are very, very rare. Whereas in hardcore metal, a lot of times it's like the bands that come out and kill it and then consistently tour and kill it for 10 years, they'll be really big after the 10 years, but maybe it's like a very slow grind to sort of get to that level in a way. Oh, of course. Like, I think the the slow grind leads to a way longer career versus the burn and then crash. Because even in my career with Attila, I've personally witnessed bands start, like, from scratch, blow up, get bigger than my band, and then a year or two later, they're done. They're crashed. And it's like, what would you rather, like do the route that my band did where we slowly got bigger. No, but you guys fucking came out with a huge splash too, don't you think? Like that that was like a, like it started kind of big and then managed to continue to grow from there? Well, like... Because you guys were like viral back then. Maybe to the public eye because when we were doing the About That Life and stuff, like I think that's when most people found out about us so Uh they might think we started then but like, dude, we were, we've been around for 16 years now, you know? So like the first six years were really slow and stagnant i mean we were growing bigger every year but you know that era popped us off and then we just kind of kept going but Mm. it's been a very slow steady incline for us versus the bands that blow the fuck up overnight and crash and they're gone Mm. and i would rather just have the slow incline but i think that's part of just there's trends always within music you know and if you follow that trend you might luck out and get that like pop off single and you know you're the hottest thing for the fucking month or the season but if you just stay true to yourself you're more likely to build like that cult fan base and have a longer career and that's always what i wanted and you know it's weird too because hardcore metal live is really good when it's good it's really fucking good rap music live i've said this a lot of times nobody's ever really given me shit for it but Rap music live, I mean, like some of the greatest rappers of all time are dreadful live. I mean, they put on a backing track and they yeah. come out and they walk back and forth and it's just incredibly boring. And like the worst metal band you've ever seen it, who is popular is still probably pretty tight on stage and yep. the crowd goes fucking insane and it's just like a very different experience. Very different. And I mean, yeah, like say what you want, but when it comes down to it, most rappers, not all, most rappers will just play the backtracks and it's kind of like a hype man scenario mm. and I'm sure it's still like most of the fans are happy, they're seeing their favorite person, it's hype, whatever. But with the music we play, like we're physically playing every single note. Like mm. I have to like belt out those nasty ass screams and do all the shit I do for real. Mm. Like you know so there's no faking it like we have to practice really hard and we have to perfect our craft and you know i pride myself in our live show very much like i i would we've even had people that don't like my band because of whatever reason or they've heard our songs but they see us live and they love us because we create this experience and we have this energy where it doesn't matter who the fuck you are. You could be the grandma in the back row. You're going to jump up and down. Like right. you're going to crowd surf. I don't give a fuck stage dive up here. Give me your fucking baby. I'm going to crowd surf your baby. I don't care. You really like, crowd surf babies. Yeah. How old? Like seven, seven years old. Yeah. Oh, chuck them in the crowd. That ain't no baby. That's I'm baby. picturing like a six month old baby. <laughs> and you're just sort of like gently placing your town. Like you'd have to have so much faith in your, uh, in your mosh pit for that to work. Yeah. 
No, I respect that. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is like because like the thing is too is that like when a like a band over time just gets tighter and tighter and better on stage, and you can feel it. Like you kind of have to be like very clueless to not be able to tell that they're tight on stage. Whereas like you know bands early on, it's like very difficult to get to that point. Yeah. Have you guys gone through a shitload of member changes over the years? Are you like the only consistent one, or? We have had member changes, but not really a shitload. Like from like the way I explain it to people is from day one, like 16 years ago, I'm the only original, Mm -hmm. but we've been the lineup. We've been like the core lineup of me, Chris link, Kalen Blem, the bass player um, and guitarist. We've been that lineup for shit, probably 10 years or more Uh like Chris forever, like Kalen probably 10 years. So we've been the core members for, forever so i don't even like think about it like that no more gotcha i uh was asking one of my uh friends who's a little deeper in the the metal world and his main question i was like you got any questions i should (laughs) ask him he was just like ask him how the fuck he had so much money back in the day because he just said that he was never able to really make sense of I guess the production quality of the videos and how you just seem to be balling in like the early days of the band and stuff. And he, he made it very clear. He said, do not let him slide around the question. I want to know how he had money before the band actually came to exist or whatnot. So the real answer is I didn't have money ever. Like I grew up in like a poor, regular, like middle-class family, never had anything. Um, when we started the band, I didn't even have a bank account or like a, a penny in my wallet, nothing. Um, but like, I think what he's probably referring to is like the about that life video right. when we're flexing hard, like we're in a mansion, we got dope cars, bitches everywhere, right. throwing money. Uh, the, real, <laughs> the real answer is um, no, we didn't have any money. It's just <laughs> fake it till you make it. Right. Like same, same exact shit rappers do. Like, like flex real hard, look real big, rent, rent your chains instead of buy them, like, you know, whatever. Yeah. And then flex and then people like, think of you as someone bigger than you really are. Mm. And I mean, honestly, it's just a genius marketing tactic, but no, I didn't fucking have money back in the day. I was poor as shit. Right. But you managed (laughs) to do pretty well for yourself with the band and the clothing stuff and everything. So you consider yourself very comfortable now financially, which is probably not necessarily a level that a lot of people in your world get to. Yeah, I'm very comfortable. Um, And somehow during the pandemic, I've made more money than I've ever made. And it's, it's kind of, um, sad. Cause I see like my fellow, like people in the hard, hard, ugh, hardcore metal world complaining about money and like, they don't know what to do. And I'm, I'm out here like thriving. But like I said, it's because I've always diversified myself. So, I mean, I'm doing really well. Like I started my clothing company, stay sick in 2011. Uh-huh. And, um, the big, this is like another big story I always tell people because I think a lot of people try to follow my blueprint and they want to do what I did because they see, oh, Franz is rich. Franz makes a lot of money. But what they don't realize is when I started Stay Sick Clothing, the first two years, I ate shit. Like, I didn't make anything, but mm. I was passionate about the clothes I made, so I stayed persistent. And then, sure enough, after two years of struggling... Boom, it popped off. Mm. Now I'm making money and it's just grown bigger every year since then. And um, 
you know, like you, you literally just, it doesn't matter what you do, even if you're not even involved in music, create multiple sources of income, mm. figure out what you're passionate about. Cause that's what you're more likely to succeed at. Wake up an hour early every day, an hour earlier than normal, suck it up, do whatever you need to do. Focus on that passion, create an extra passive source of income, save your money, invest it. Like anyone can do what I did because I'm not like a, there's no like hidden things about me. Like I grew up poor, regular, mm. and I've created everything I've created on my own. So, Definitely. no, yeah, it makes sense. Cause like, you know, I, I have a lot of people who, you know, are in the early stages of starting like, you know, a YouTube channel or a podcast or whatever. And they'll kind of, you know, ask me like, you know, I'm, I'm putting all this work, but it's not really like nothing's really taken off or whatever. And my reaction to it is kind of, that's like where you're at right now. This is the whole thing. Like yeah. toiling in obscurity is the whole thing. Like you need to be very down to just do the content that you believe in for two, three, four, five years. Exactly. If you really want to build something, and also, and I probably wouldn't say this to somebody, but there's also a good chance that you're, it's just not you. That like this maybe you're not the person. Maybe you, you know, yeah. talking to a random person. Maybe you're not meant to have a successful band. Maybe you're not meant to have a successful YouTube channel, but. You need to be like not only grinding out the content, but also keeping your mind aware enough to think when this is not working, what is working. You know, I did the BMX thing for 10 years and, you know, made enough money to live off of it. But realistically, it was just not really like saving money at any point because I was just blowing through everything that I had just trying to grow or whatever. Then I started doing rapper interviews and that's when it really started to take off. But I had to like grind out all that BMX content while also keeping my mind open enough to realize that I had to like, you know, keep an eye open for other things that might work, you know? Of course. And I'm sure like, even when you started doing the rap interviews, it probably oh. wasn't huge at first. You probably yeah. had a low amount of subscribers. Mm -hmm. There wasn't that many people watching. Oh, yeah. Persistence is key because mm -hmm. most people, they just physically can't do like one to three years of not succeeding. Working they just your ass give off up and right losing away. money is very hard yeah. for people, but it's, I mean, that's Dude, I've, the I've reality. lost so much money pursuing my dreams. Uh, like, I forget how many years ago this was, six years ago, I thought that I was going to create this revolutionary social media app. And I dumped like 30 or 40 grand into this app. And at one point we had a large amount of users, which I could have like sold it, like it was doing well. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, like poof, gone like no one cared and it was just like cool that was a 30 or forty thousand dollar learning mistake for uh for me but i learned from it i grew from it but with anything you start you have to be persistent like you you have to keep going like not no one's youtube channel is going to blow up in a year no yeah. one you've got to do it for many years no one's band is going to blow up after a year you have to do it for many years your clothing company you want to start it's not going to get big right it might in three years but are you going to be the person that can stick with it for three years? Or right. are you the type of person that after three or four months or even a year, you're like, oh, fuck this. Like, I'm not making money. I'm working too hard. Like the people that succeed are the people that push through it. Because mm. if you do something long enough and you're actually passionate about it and you're not faking it for money, you will succeed. Mm. And what they don't tell you is that once you're successful, it's actually harder. Oh yeah, more more money, more problems, dude. Yeah, I like miss being poor. We wrote we wrote a song about that on the uh, <laughs> on the new Attila album. It's called Broken Happy, and I'm just talking about how like back in the day when I didn't have a bank account or money, life was more fun because you like 
I didn't have to pay taxes. I didn't make fucking money. Like right. I didn't have to do anything. I didn't have to worry about all the hundreds of things I have to worry about now, like adult shit. Mm. Yeah. And this is like, once you, once you actually make it somewhere, then you have something that is at risk. You have to like, you know, you have a standard that people are holding you to. And you have like, you know, the dynamic where you have your old fans that you want to keep happy and you want to appeal to a new audience. And like eventually your audience can come become kind of like segmented up into stuff where you feel like you can't win or lose because you can make content that one chunk of your audience is going to love and another chunk of your audience is going to hate. And at this point, No Jumper, I feel like is that big that even our biggest W's come with a big chunk of the audience that is going to be like, no, fuck that. I don't like that. I wish it was still this, you know? Of course. Yeah. But I think, I think honestly, like the, the 50, 50 hate to love ratio is really what causes mm. the most buzz. Like, um, the last album Attila released got way more love than I expected. Mm. And it like low key bummed me out because <laughs> I wish there was more hate because the hate is what fuels like even more people to listen to it. Right. So I don't know. It's, it's weird, but that's, that's the fucking world. But you guys have a weird transitional element to the band where when you guys came out, it was very much the era of offensive shit sells. Like, put some offensive shit on a shirt and kids are going to love that. Like, you know, say <laughs> some fucking dirty shit in a song, they're going to go crazy for it. Now it feels like everybody in the fucking... Hard well, you tell me if I'm wrong or not, but it feels like a huge percentage of people in the hardcore metal world have gone full activist and are yep. constantly looking for something to get offended by offended by something not to say that there's never legitimate stuff to get offended by but it's like it just feels like a very different climate for the type of stuff that you guys do you're absolutely right, right. it's very much true um and that's what makes it difficult for a band like attila because we're not bad people like we're good people we're pushing for the same causes that everyone else is pushing for right now mm -hmm. um our music is just fun like we're we're being real like we don't have to if i turned uh fucking attila into an activist band no one would fuck with it <laughs> it would be so strange like yeah. there's got to be at least one band like having fun and fucking shit up like mm. and that's my band like must Someone's got to do it. It must be kind of hard to like stick with it at a certain point, though, because I'm sure you feel like the pressure. Like, do you have people getting offended by certain lyrics still, and like kind of pressure <sighs> on you to say something about it, or have you just very much accepted your niche? I've accepted the niche, but also it is stressful just being in this genre. But um, I think our plan—I haven't like publicly announced this ever—but <laughs> I think our plan is just to fully transition into like a fucking rap group and kind of just disassociate because um, our guitarist is now a rap producer and he's been working with Lil Yachty, he's been working with Rob Banks, oh, um, wow. Kesachi, like a lot of people and he's been building a lot of connects and all these people fuck with Attila. They love the music we're making. So now it's just kind of like, you know, and I'm, I'm doing a lot of rap stuff as well and collaborating with these artists. So it's just like, I've been involved in the rap world now my guitarist is a rap producer like fuck it like let's just transition into that like it won't be rap like as the world sees it it's basically just going to be rap with like heavy metal mm. you know and maybe if we can like just kind of push away from all the stigmas and the negativity that is in like the hardcore metal scene right now we can kind of branch out and be ourselves even more stay true even more but maybe just be in a space where we're accepted more, where people aren't going to like tarnish us because 
we don't want to have like every single song about activism. We right. want to have a song, you know, that's fun. And it's crazy too, because it's like the rappers are so not held to that standard. Like rappers can They're talk not. about doing drugs, They're fucking not. girls, etc., beating somebody's ass, shooting somebody's house that's up. That's the most fucked and up nobody shit. cares. Yeah. And it's a fucking top 20 hit. Yeah. It's on the radio. Right. Wet ass pussy, like <laughs> raunchy shit. Like right. it's fucking globally accepted. But I sing about the same exact shit over heavy metal music, and I'm the villain. I'm the worst person in the world. Fuck me. It's like, right. bro, like, I'm having fun. Like, come I'm on. I'm trying like, to why? imagine if you had a song where the chorus was you saying that I'm going to pull up to your house and shoot you and how that would go over, <laughs> like how it would be viewed <laughs> and how differently it would be viewed. Whereas like Lil Yachty, who presumably has never pulled up to somebody's house and shot them. He could just have a bar where he says, I'm going to pull up to your house and shoot you. And it's like, everybody takes it, knows yeah, it's that it's sick. all good. It's funny. It's, ha, fucking ha, awesome. it's just having fun. Yeah. <laughs> right before a breakdown, I'm going to pull up to your house and shoot you. That does sound hard. Yeah. I'm into that. Were you ever an Unbroken Wings fan? Yeah. That was, uh, cause I used to Love hang John out with them. Blake. The shit. That's my boy. John Blake is the shit. Yes. That, uh, I used to like, pull your fucking teeth out. Right. Cause you guys kind of <laughs> seem like a, a more exaggerated version of what they oh, were yeah. doing at a certain point. Cause like I went on this one Johnny tour. Johnny Cupcakes. Yo, right. Yes. Yeah. Johnny Cupcakes was the first person I ever seen with a fucking sidekick in like 2003. I was on tour with Barrier Dead and On Broken Wings and he had the sidekick. Love kick. Barrier Dead too. Yeah. So it was a great era. Very, uh, Massachusetts fucking hardcore era. Cause the singer of Barrier dead at the time worked at a friendlies and <laughs> motherfuckers who were into hardcore used to go to the friendlies and take photos with him just because they thought it was funny that he worked at the friendlies so that's that was hilarious cool, yeah. um yeah that was very much like a you know sort of like beginner era i feel like of like like you know mosh friendly like sort of humor infused hardcore and metal yeah yeah um okay so how did you start selling that d Selling that D. <laughs> yeah. We're talking about porn. Only fans. Um, yeah. How did you get into that? Because I feel like being in a band and sort of like carelessly giving away your dick to like hundreds of different girls a year probably helped prepare you for that. Well, to be 100% honest, it literally just made perfect sense. Rock stars fuck porn stars. Mm. That's what we do. Right. Like, if I'm fucking porn stars and Playboy models on the reg, shit i might as well become a part of the community and start mm. doing porn myself and making some money myself because i'm not scared of showing my dick and like you know let i've got a good dick like might mm. as well do it so it kind of just made sense but the the bigger reason was um i started going to avn two years ago uh, my roommate who works for my clothing company and my record label he also works for Sex Panther, which is like a porn company. Right. And uh, he, two years ago, before I even started doing porn, he was like, um, hey, like, does Attila want to host like the official after party for AVN in the penthouse, like Floyd Mayweather's penthouse? And oh, wow. we were all like, uh, <laughs> duh, fuck yeah. Like, right. we get to party and hang out with porn stars? Fuck yeah, let's do it. And we went. And then I think I realized at that moment, I was like, damn, these porn girls are like way cooler than a lot of these like shady band dudes I meet. Like they're, they're real. They're just like, you know, and, right. and even like other girls, like they're just very straightforward. Like 
hey, like, do you want to fuck? Like, hey, can I suck your dick? I was like, whoa, this is cool. Like, I like this porn world. But now I feel like it's like, hey, like, I'll suck your dick, but can you film it for my OnlyFans? Like, th- yeah. that, that's like a normal fucking conversation <laughs> when you hook up with a porn star, I feel like, at this point. Like, if I was still single and still just, like, meeting random porn stars on Twitter, I would just kind of be expecting them to be like, I can just put this on my OnlyFans, right? Like, nobody's going to know it's your dick, so who cares, right? Well, they're going to know it's my dick because my dick's tattooed. Yeah. Oh, the whole, the whole dick? Not the whole dick, but, like, down the shaft, I have mm. a pretty large tattoo, so I can't be a stunt dick. Yeah, like, I have the whole pube area, so I was never really going to be able to get away with it anyway. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, no, it just made sense, because the first year I went to AVN, I just really loved the community. Like, I loved all the porn girls and the porn guys, and just, like, the vibe was really good. So I started, like, making friends with a lot of people in the industry, and then um, I've been doing OnlyFans and doing porn for pretty much a year now, like Mm -hmm. a little under a year. And it just made sense to me. I was just like, I love this. I know a lot of porn stars. Like, let's just run it. Let's do it. And I started it and I was just like, wow, this is really fun and really lucrative. And it's, it's great. Like I get to make connections with so many people, like no matter what city I'm in or where I'm at, like I've got three or four shoots booked, like, even one like right after this interview like right. it's cool you know like i i fucking love it it's it it feels like something i'm just as passionate about as music basically like right. i'm not being fake to do porn i'm just being myself like i'm a sex addict i love to fuck all the time right and i'm not shy about my dick or how i fuck so i might as well film it and show everyone so no, I feel like, like <laughs> I, I kind of feel like I turned a corner yesterday because me and my girl were filming some OnlyFans stuff for this new thing that we have coming out. And we had this girl and my girl was like, eat her ass on camera. And we had like a real film crew and shit. And so me and my girl are eating the girl's ass on camera together. And I'm just thinking like, yo, I never ate ass or pussy on camera ever before in my life. And now I'm just like, yeah, of course I'm going to do it because now I've kind of like accepted in my head like, okay, I am a real porn star. I got to do all the porn star stuff. And, you know, yeah, I feel the same way where it's like (laughs) people want to act like you're like compromising part of yourself because we're both in the same position where we both have money from other things. So it's like sometimes people would be like, oh, like the other thing you're doing must be falling off because you're doing this porn thing. Exactly. The reality is, is that the thing I'm doing is just fine. It's just that that OnlyFans money, trust me, it's it's stupid. It's not like other money. It's it's it, huge. It comes, it, it falls from the <laughs> sky like you're on fucking The Price is Right. Like it just blankets you. I haven't even really like got into it fully. But the bag is stupid. Like it's it's not like a regular ass bag that you have oh, to yeah. work really hard at. You know, it, it, it's and for me personally, like I don't. <laughs> I have no qualms about it. I like doing it. It's fun, you know? I would have fucking banged these girls with my girl that, anyway, you know? Exactly. I have no qualms about it at all. I love fucking. I love making cool videos, coming up with cool themes. Like, it's perfect. I love OnlyFans. It does really well. Like, mm. why wouldn't I do it? But you're right. The biggest thing is people coming at me all the fucking time saying, oh, you're doing OnlyFans? Because, like, <laughs> like, everything else isn't doing good. Bitch, everything's doing good. The biggest complaint I get is people being like, stop posting with porn stars. Focus on music, bro. Focus on music. And I'm like, dog, I wrote a full, wrote and recorded a full Attila album during quarantine. 
and I wrote a, wrote and recorded a full Bone Crew album for my side project during quarantine, and I've done numerous guest features on rappers, um, like other people's stuff. I've made more music in 2020 than I've made in my life, and people have the audacity to say, make some fucking music, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, bitch, I've made more music, right. and I'm doing porn now, so fuck off. It's quarantine. I can't tour. I physically can't tour legally. Yeah. Like, fuck off. And I like porn. I'm passionate about it. If you don't want to watch it, don't click the link. People tend to overestimate how much time doing porn really takes, too, because a lot of times, like, me and my girl have a set a shoot booked with some girl and it takes longer for my girl because she got to do her makeup and stuff but it mm-hmm. will literally be me sitting on the couch smoking a blunt watching tv and then i like walk into the room get a boner it takes like 20 minutes 30 minutes and then that's it and that's that's the whole thing i just had to be home to like work for like you know maybe i'm home for an hour or two to just do that content and it's like I'm, I, I sometimes i'll do two or three interviews and then i go do that and it's so it's so nothing and so almost guaranteed to make much more money than the three interviews I did. That <laughs> it reminds me, though, of like, this is important, though. Like, you're doing No Jumper not because of the money, but because you actually feel like it's important, you know? Of course. Yeah. And it's the same for me. Like, I do music because that's my passion. I'm never going to give up music or stop doing it. Do I make more money from doing porn on OnlyFans? Fuck yeah, I do. Mm. Like, my OnlyFans is popping. People want to see me fuck porn stars like the rock star porn star combo it's mm, sick but i'm not gonna stop making music i'm still gonna write music i'm still gonna tour as soon as the world lets me so like i'm sometimes i just want to scream like hop off my fucking nuts <laughs> hop off my fucking nuts that bro. sounds like an Attila chorus though <laughs> hop off my <laughs> fucking nuts i could see that <laughs> but yo so does it make like dating kind of weird or like talking to girls normally kind of weird because sometimes when like i i'm i'm in a relationship but if i wasn't sometimes it just feels like it feels weird to think that i spent so much of my life like trying to pursue women and to try to like you know basically convince them to have sex with me and now it's like (laughs) it's nothing it's like oh this is clearly beneficial to both of us we do it we film it and then yeah the dynamic is just so different you two have a good dynamic but no i totally agree like well first of all i'm single Hi, ladies. Um, (laughs) No, I'm single, but like if I am talking to someone and I'm interested, my big thing is just full honesty and transparency because I think like a character that's failed me in my past is just not necessarily like always lying, but just maybe hiding stuff that I should have been more upfront about. Mm. But I'll, I'll tell people, I'll be like, yeah, like this is what I do. Like I do porn. I have an OnlyFans. And I'll tell them the amount I make. I'll be like, I make a ton of money. Like, I don't think this is like a forever thing, but for the time being right now, I'm having a lot of fun doing it and it's setting me up for an even more prosperous future. So um, I think that the real ones will recognize and be like, oh, cool. And, you know, if people don't accept that, that's fine. But also at the same time, I don't even think i've met a girl that doesn't have only fans themselves so it's kind of like we live in a bubble where we think that because like there's so many normal girls that don't but i agree that like 90 percent of the girls that i meet pretty much have one and the ones who don't are constantly being asked when are you gonna get only fans exactly and some of them it's like very very annoying like that they just don't want to be perceived that way which is totally fine but it's like it's a constant question i feel like 
But I just also, I, I wonder this question, but like, how the fuck would I ever meet a normal girl? Cause I'm like, I have face tattoos. I look fucking crazy. Like uh, what normal girl at fucking Trader Joe's or whatever is going to pop up to me and be like, Hey, like they're looking at me like, get right. that dude the fuck away. Yeah. You or I are like <laughs> magnets for the OnlyFans type. Exactly. I feel like, you know, like exactly. they could kind of just smell it on us. Like, oh, he looks like a dirt bag. Yeah. Yeah. They want the fully tattooed, like felon looking dudes to come fuck them for their OnlyFans. Yeah. I've been thinking like, I just need to like fully just <laughs> get ripped because that's the main thing that separated me from like a Johnny Sins, besides the fact that he's apparently extremely good at his job, is that like <laughs> he's in sick shape. Like he looks like a fucking bodybuilder. A lot of these black dudes, they look like fucking linebackers. They're in such good shape. Oh, yeah. I feel like that's the, the the part of the equation that I'm not holding down. And so every time I'm staring down a bowl of chips right now, I'm kind of <laughs> thinking like this is one step away from like the six pack version of yourself that would probably be a much hotter commodity on OnlyFans. I actually completely agree because i'm i'm kind of like a lanky dude like i've just got like an overall lanky build but all my weight goes to like my stomach so i've got like a little dad bod type shit going on mm. but it hasn't affected yeah. anything like no one's been like hey like i don't want to fuck you because like you got a little bit of a dad bod they're kind of <laughs> just like hey that means you're probably like i don't know nice like you don't or... have to do this like the guys are in sick shape because that's all they do is porn it makes sense if you don't have to be in good shape it's almost kind of a flex you know yeah that's real you know but avn's like next time they do it which is definitely not going to be this year but probably next year yeah. hopefully it is going to be really interesting because now all of a sudden there's going to be so many gir more girls who are doing uh only stuff who have never shot for a real porn company and so many dudes who are kind of in the game now too who again have never shot for a real porn company it's like yep. the, the the clientele and i mean i've only i went to avm once and then i went once again and did not go to the awards show or the convention and just played poker like a fucking degenerate but i just think that's going to be like the the porn world like people are not i don't think people are paying attention to how much this shit is changing yep because like dude like i remember having a conversation even like a couple of years ago about like i would never ever do porn and now it's like i don't even think twice about it like it just doesn't even seem that crazy of course yeah i i agree and the world is is changing because you know you've got these mainstream people in mainstream porn and that's like what they've gotten put into and what they've been doing like long before OnlyFans and now OnlyFans comes out and all of a sudden mm. you've got creators on OnlyFans making 10 times as much as these mainstream porn stars and it's it's weird because when the mainstream porn stars I find like get into OnlyFans um, some of them do do really well and like of course not discrediting but some of sometimes people are like well, why would I pay to subscribe? I can just watch for free on Pornhub or mm. X videos. So it, it's weird. It's, you know, I, I came in at a good time cause I, I've never done mainstream porn and I, I don't think I ever would mm. because I think my biggest thing is creating that mystery and that allure because I'm not famous for porn. Like that's not why I'm famous. Like I'm famous for music and being in a band. Mm. So my goal is to keep my dick completely hidden from the internet mm. unless you join my OnlyFans. And I think that that curiosity is what helps my OnlyFans personally. And I, I like to re, uh, keep that curiosity. It's crazy that we didn't realize how valuable our dicks were prior to this. <laughs> you know, like, like, there's, like I never would have thought 
that that many people would want to pay money to see my penis involved. Obviously, it's mostly about the girl, but I mean, you know, <laughs> it, it's just very interesting. Like that, that was something that never really occurred to us before. And I even, you know, some of the male porn stars that I've researched who kind of had a little bit of like a mainstream celebrity thing. It's just. I feel like they were perceived very differently even five, ten years ago than the way that dudes who do this shit now are. Like, I feel like the world is ready for, like, mainstream male porn stars to just be the guys who are out there doing that. I don't know. I agree. Yeah. It's time. It's time, baby. The porn takeover. Subscribe to my OnlyFans. Are you seeing a lot of smaller bands who are, like, there's guys in the bands who are, like, doing it as well? No, dude. Really? Honestly, I haven't seen, as far as like my genre goes, like hardcore metal, I haven't seen a single person join OnlyFans. Wow. And I think, honestly, like like we talked about how my genre is very like, you know, positivity and this and that, like activism. I think that a lot of my genre like probably hates me now because I do OnlyFans. But the reality is, is like I'm doing what I love. Like I'm not, I'm not doing it for like a money grab i'm doing it because i like it and it's Mm. fun and especially now i started it way before pandemic but now it's pandemic i can't fucking tour and play a concert i'd rather be on stage like jumping in a crowd and fucking shit up but hey now i'm just slaying pussy and doing that instead like cool Mm. like but i i think i've i don't know i've probably lost respect from peers in the metal or whatever but i just i literally just do not give a fuck, dude. They're on the wrong side of history, and they're going to figure it out sooner or later. I don't give a yeah. fuck, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's like in bad taste to judge a woman for doing porn at this point. Like, it's almost like, you know, if if you were to like go on social media and say like, oh, so and so is just a whore, or she's just a slut because she's doing porn or whatever, it will go over badly, and it's only a matter of time before guys are sort of judged by the same standard. I think. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure. All I know is, like, dudes like you and I, we're definitely, like, the minority because there's not a lot of, like, OnlyFans dudes, you know? Mm. It's just going <laughs> to keep getting worse and worse, though. We're gonna be, we'll look at this conversation in a year or two, and we'll be like, man, remember when we had that conversation? Because yeah. like, all these motherfuckers are going to figure it out. But maybe I'm overestimating because maybe people really either have, you know, micro penises or they just <laughs> can't stay hard. I mean, like, I... I oh, I, you don't have OnlyFans? Because you got a small dick, boy. Right. No, I, I, I take it for granted that it's so easy for me to do that kind of stuff. Like, for me to fuck a girl on camera is just, like, nothing. And also, people don't realize that it's, like, you know, a typical OnlyFans clip is, what, 10, 15 minutes. It's yeah. like, if you can't stay hard for 10 to 15 minutes, I don't know what the hell you got going on. You got to see a doctor or something, man. <laughs> Go like, to the doctor. Yeah, because I would always hear about, like, real porn star dudes who couldn't get hard on set but i feel like th- that's probably a more grueling thing where they have to get hard over and over like and their sets are like 12 hours and, long yeah yeah so, so i don't know anyway <laughs> <laughs> we're on we're on the porn road now yeah. baby i love it i love it yeah me too can't can't hate on it at all so uh anything else we need to know about that you have uh, coming up obviously you're Shit is kind of frozen up because of COVID, but... Yeah, so I think the biggest thing I would like to let my fans know is that I have been heavily focused on music. Um, Like I mentioned earlier, Attila has a brand new full-length album, fully recorded, ready to go. It's a banger. It's awesome. And then... um, Do you not want to drop it till you can tour it? We've been talking about when we should drop it, and I think just like... I just don't 
Like, you know how when you drop on Spotify or Apple Music, there's the year that the album released? I just don't fucking want 2020. I just don't like that year. Like, yeah. So I think what we're going to aim for is like an early spring release. And I know like touring's probably not going to happen until another year or so from now. But um, I think we're looking at like a spring release. And then um, my side project, Bone Crew, for those of you who don't know, um, that is a rap like it's me and a rapper basically over like the heaviest shit ever. It's oh, really? like, okay. it's like if black tongue, that like slam metal band meet met like a uh, fucking like Drake. Like, so it's like top forties rap wow. with like the heaviest shit ever. And we released an EP a uh, little over a year ago and it went over really well. Like and you we put were, a different rapper on each song. No, um, oh. it's me and this, uh, my homie who goes by Du Bois J okay. and he's basically like one of the sickest rappers I know. Oh, he's, okay. he's underground. He's, he's not super well known, but I know one day he will be because he's just the shit. I met him at Warp Tour. Uh-huh. <laughs> he was like, he's like, bro, I had this girlfriend and like, she was into all this heavy shit and I fucking love it too. So now I'm coming to Warp Tour and I was like, bet we became best friends. He like, he's just very like motivated, very creative and then um after we were friends a year or so went by and i was like bro i have like a vision for a project that's like very equally split between like rap like top 40s rap like trap beats cool shit and then just like the heaviest metal ever we did the project i didn't even announce that i was releasing it i dropped it a day later we were being spun on xm radio every single day like mm. jose mangan um from xm like liquid metal loves bone crew so really? he's so he's already ready to spin the new album. The new album's been done for a minute. I'm planning to drop that October 30th, but that is like literally like top 40s rap, but with like random breakdowns and shit. It's very it's kind of almost like ADD, right. but you'll you won't skip through a song. It's very like boom 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 like heavy rap, heavy rap, wild, like very energetic. So I'm ex- I'm excited about that. So that's I mean that in itself like I've written and recorded like what 24 songs or so and then not including all the features I've done this year and whatnot. Right. If you could pick any rapper to hear over like metal type beats who would you want to hear just just see what they did to it i'd like Damn. to hear a thug on that huh i'd like to hear a thug on some, some heavy breakdowns i just want to know what young the fuck thug he would bring is one of my table. favorite rappers of all time i met him at emo night yeah. here in la like a year, a year and a half ago he's the shit mgk bringing the community together right there yeah That's no crazy. I, I love mgk i hope i can link with him while i'm out here he Same. he actually has been one of like the coolest people to me in like the rap world as far as like just always being a homie he hates um, me he hates you yeah oh fuck i don't know why probably because of the eminem thing he, he came up to me i rolling loud with a lot of aggression no it's cool okay i'm just like i'm, I'm very <laughs> amused by it he's probably less amused by it since he uh yeah attempted to smack a microphone out of my hand <laughs> god damn um no like i i uh i would say like fuck if i had to pick a rapper um dude i would I would just like to hear like Drake on a Bone Crew song because uh, the rapper that's in the project with me, Boy J, he kind of low key sounds like Drake. Really? So I would like to just hear Drake like ripping a verse and then just 
like it goes into a breakdown because it would just mind fuck the world. It's totally different. So I'm down. I would like to even just ask Drake, like, <laughs> are there any hardcore or metal bands that you or punk bands or anything that you've ever heard in your life that you're interested in? Because we Drake seems like a massive music fan, but you only really hear him talk about more of the rap, R&B, soul side of things. Dude, gonna... if Drake dropped a verse on a heavy metal track, how fucking cool would that, that be? It would change the game. It would yeah. change the game yeah. and it would just everyone in the metal world that doesn't really listen to drake would be like clout bet we love him and you know what in a weird way a lot of the uh like brooklyn drill and like uk drill and stuff like that like sonically it's not so dissimilar like i could kind of see it like intertwining with guitar type stuff more so like i, I, I just could almost see it working more i mean that's the whole thing like the worlds are mending like rap songs are having guitar in it it's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time. Mm. I've always felt that way, but it just seems like, you know, because I've always felt like, yo, like death metal sounds so crazy. I would love to just like take a couple of great death metal songs and just give those to a, a producer and just say like, yo, make beats out of these. I would like to see what your beats made out of these would sound like. Sick I just feel like fuck. there's so much possibility for it because it's such a unique sound for people playing guitar that fast and heavy, you know? Of course. I don't know how the fuck it would actually work out. I'm not a producer, but it seems like there's, there's got to be something Anything there. can work. I That's brought sucks. you some presents. Is it a case of Trulies? <laughs> well, the case of Trulies <laughs> is here. By the way, have you tried the lemonades? I have never had a Truly. I've had many White Claws over the past You've few months. You've never had a Truly? No. So, Truly is incredible. Go. I'm going to give my, you the my, best. My friends tell me, like my employees, I'll drink them all the time. Love Truly. I'm going to give you the best flavor first. Okay. This is Okay. So Truly has more variety than White Claw by far, but my favorite are these lemonades. So this actually has less sugar, less carbs than the White Claws, but bro, this strawberry lemonade, Let's go. that shit's going to fuck you up, bro. I'm ready, man. Yeah, I actually It's ha- so good. I had the, uh, the Coors Light White Claw version the other day. Have you seen this? Mm-mm. Coors is in the game. Coors has like a White Claw. It tastes almost exactly like a White Claw. Dude, everyone's getting in the game because this is going to take over. How fire is that? Ooh, that is nice. You oh, want to yeah. know X Games mode? You fucking take a sip out of that and you put a tequila shot in it. Oh, that's X Games mode for sure. Yeah, I'll be but jumping that, off the building. But that's then. fire. Love truly. But um, that, that wasn't the gift. This, oh, is okay, actually, yeah. this is actually for me. You just stole mine. No, my bad. I'm just kidding. You're good. Um, I'll buy you another one. No, I just did a new drop for my clothing line, so I wanted oh, to give you sick. a couple things. Hell yeah. Got a sick-ass dad hat. Nice. It's like this. sorbet, sherbet, however you pronounce it. Sherbet. Sorbet? So, uh, sorbet, like a little <laughs> bit of tie-dye. And then um, this shirt is a hentai nun. Oh, wow. So she's like, you know. I like it, man. She's tied up, but she's a nun and she's hot. Wow. I'm fucking with I it. wanted Hell to yeah. get more stuff, but a lot of my shit's uh, been selling out because I just dropped a new line. Sick. And then uh, this is this is my favorite one right now. We racist got, lives don't matter. Racist wow. lives don't matter with the Klansman hanging. Fuck them. <sighs> Is that the front or the back? That's the back. The, okay. front's, the front's the pocket print. Right. So, wow, that's pretty badass. I'm definitely down with that. Yeah, this one's fire. So That's good. Fuck racists. Fuck the Klan, man. For real. How does that even exist? Like, How are they going to call ICP and Juggalos a gang and like out, try to outlaw that? But there's still- The Klan's not a gang? No. Like The KKK <laughs> is allowed to run free. I didn't know that they weren't considered a gang. They seem like kind of so like the ultimate em. gang. Yeah. 
Okay. For real. All right. Well, <laughs> hey, I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much, especially for the truly, but the merch as well. Yeah. <laughs> appreciate it, dude. I Fra- like to give gifts. Franzilla, man. Appreciate the interview. Everybody, go check out Attila, all that shit. Drake collab coming soon. Love you. Appreciate you, man. No Bye. Jumper. Coolest podcast in the world. Check us on YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes. Like, comment, subscribe. No Jumper.com if you want to support. Appreciate y'all.